Welcome to Beyond the Ocean. Here's a clip from today's guests. Our first version came out. We had Blair Conklin come out from California, a world-class skimboard champion, as well as Ben Gravy come up from New Jersey, and they spent a couple of days riding the wave. We had the pleasure of hosting Ian Carnes uh, and his wife, Alyssa. They came out from California. Terrific feedback on just how they thought that Epic Surf performed, the ease of the ride, some adjustments we might want to make in it, and how it could fit into the bigger play of democratizing the sport. Welcome to Beyond the Ocean, the podcast exploring surf parks and the impact of technology on the future of surfing. We speak with technology leaders, investors, operators, and surfing legends to explore this exciting new movement. I'm your host, Chris Klusner. Welcome back to Beyond the Ocean. We're joined today by Bruce Quay, Chief Operating Officer at Aquatic Development Group. ADG is a leader in the design and build of water parks and recreational water attractions all over the world. They're also paving the way in the artificial wave space with Epic Surf, their standing wave technology. In today's episode, Bruce shares more about Epic Surf, how the technology works, including their standing deep water wave system, which allows you to ride the same surfboard you would in the ocean, as well as his origin story, how Bruce got started in the industry, what he was doing before, and how ADG goes to market. Without further ado, please join me for this wide-ranging conversation with Bruce Quay from ADG. My name is Bruce Quay. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Aquatic Development Group. On the equipment systems side of our business, I'm really involved with the entire life cycle of that business. So our business development team reports to me, as well as our equipment systems engineering group, our project management team, our manufacturing group reports to me, as well as the customer service and technical support part of the equipment systems team. We're about to celebrate our 60th year in the aquatics business, right? We started out as a commercial pool builder in the 60s and then transitioned to leisure water and the water park business in the early 80s. Today, ADG is a vertically integrated business uh, with about 100 employees, a full manufacturing plant that has multi-discipline stainless steel fabrication, plastics department, and our own UL electrics shop where we make all our own motor control panels. ADG is comprised really of two separate but complementary businesses. On one side of our business, aquatic builders, we provide turnkey design build solutions for water parks and resorts. We work with water park owners and developers from really the inception of the project right through completion. We start with concept development, schematic design, right through engineering the park or at least the water features. And then we go across the country, build the systems, build the parks. And although our core scope is typically wave pools, rivers, lagoons, and, and surf systems, we work with the owners on the, the entire attraction mix, so that means we're involved in helping select water slides, play structures, etc. And we do this for new water parks and resorts as well as for water parks looking to do expansions, right? So they might want to add capacity, replace old attractions, or add entertainment value. I think the unique thing about ADG and our aquatic business is we think and work 
beyond the edge of the water. What does that mean? It means that we're typically involved with the entire development project, everything that impacts guest experience, as well as operational efficiencies, right? So while we're collaborating with the owners to determine water feature designs, we're also helping the owner think through the entirety of their park experience, deck capacities, walkways, traffic flow, furniture plans, buildings, whether that's F&B or back-of-house stuff, point-of-sale logistics, sort of everything needed for that park. So our projects, in many cases, we become sort of a conduit for the owner between the, the operator, the general contractor, the architect, consultants on the project, and many of the, the subs that make the project come to fruition. So we're really a resource from project inception rate to completion. That's resulted in us building over 100 new outdoor water parks across the country, from water parks in the early 80s up until, I think, the only major water park that was opened in the middle of a pandemic down in, in Tennessee at Soaky Mountain. Today, we're out building water parks in California, Massachusetts, and Alabama. We've also been, over the last 20 years, a leader in the evolution of the hotel indoor water park market. As that model starts to grow and that destination resort becomes more popular, we've brought that same sort of design sense and attention to detail and understanding of site optimization to the indoor water park market as well. Have been involved with building approximately 20 indoor water parks over the last several years. So who are our customers? Aquatic Builders customers range from Six Flags to Premier Parks, Cedar Fair, Kalahari, the Wilderness Group, Gaylord, Hilton, and beyond. In most cases, all those relationships and clients are long-standing customers that we do multiple projects with over the long haul. And that we pride ourselves in that 75% of our business is actually repeat business from clients we've done other projects with. That's the design build aquatic side of our business. The other side of our business is our equipment system business, which is anchored by ADG Waves. Our wave system business includes traditional wave systems, wave pools, rivers, sheet wave systems we've developed and sold. We're the go-to person for specialty waves, for zoos and aquariums, even motion pictures, and certainly surf systems, including now Epic Surf. In the surf category in particular, Epic Surf is a product offering and a product suite I'd love to dig into. So what's Epic Surf? Epic Surf is the culmination of a two-year effort at ADG to create a truly unique standing wave system. We've done so by recreating the natural occurrence of a hydraulic jump. We do that by delivering it in a small footprint and self-contained system that allows the operator to adjust the wave real-time to offer waves that are two feet to five feet deep. So for the surfer, the key difference with Epic Surf is that it's true deep wave experience. It's not sheet wave, and it's also not thick sheet over a form. Depth of the water and our ability to change the height of the wave on demand makes Epic Surf both fun for everybody and challenging for all types of uh, surfers on all types of boards with or without fins. Epic Surf is for anyone who surfs or anyone that's interested in learning the sport of surfing from beginners to intermediate surfers and to experts. 
What excites us about it is the prospect of Epic Surf bringing all types of board sports enthusiasts under one tent, so to speak, right? So from boogie boarders who enjoy sheetway but maybe want to just take it up a notch to skim boarders to ocean surfers to river surfers, that's a very, you know, a growing segment of the surfing industry, to even snowboarders and skateboarders. We've had them all on Epic Surf and gotten great feedback from all segments of that uh, community. You've had some amazing surfing influencers and professional skimboarders come check out the wave. Just while we're at it, could you share some of the guests that have come and given you feedback? A couple of winters ago, when we're, our first version came out, we had uh, uh, Blair Conklin come out from California, a world-class uh, skimboard champion, as well as Ben Gravy come up from New Jersey. And they spent a couple of days riding the wave Got a lot of great feedback on the performance of the wave. And then I think in our maybe our third summer session, we had the pleasure of hosting Ian Carnes uh, and his wife, Alyssa. They came out from California. Terrific feedback on just how they thought that Epic Surf performed, the ease of the ride, some adjustments we might want to make in it, and how it could fit into the bigger play of sort of democratizing the sport by offering what Epic Surf offers. So there was just uh, some great feedback from those folks and a lot of other surfers and non-surfers alike. We were really interested in sort of what Epic Surf would be like for someone that's never surfed before or somebody that's just really trying to get up the learning curve. So one of the things we did was bring in a couple of uh, surf schools from around the country. We had Phil Jackson come up with his um, Surf Foundation kids from Myrtle Beach, and they rode the wave for a day. I think there was eight or 10 of them that came up, and uh, great feedback from those kids, right, that almost to a person said that because they got so many reps on it and it was so sort of easy to kind of get acclimated to that they really saw their skill level increase, you know, sort of noticeably in the day they were on the ride. So a lot of good feedback from a lot of guests over last summer. That's amazing. And it sounds like a pretty clear benefit for the end surfer, you know, quick progression, open to all skill levels, low risk, a lot of reps. So that sounds amazing. What about from the water park or surf pool owner perspective? I'd love to get into how Epic Surf might be innovative from the operator perspective. You're right. I mean, one of the most compelling things about Epic Surf is the amount of action that a server can pack into a one or two hour session, right? Because the wave uh, is always on, there's no paddling out to catch the wave. There's no risk of missing a wave. There's very little downtime for the surfer who you know, might catch 15 or 20 waves in an hour session. Because it's on a small footprint, because it's relatively low capital requirement to build a wave, and because of the versatility of the wave, we think that Epic Surf is uh, really a logical complement to the big surf lagoon. We also see Epic Surf as a centerpiece for a standalone surf business, a surf venue that might offer lessons, sessions, and private events. Again, the same concept, the compact nature of Epic Surf, which is about a 5,000 square footprint for the ride itself. We think Epic Surf creates a great opportunity to include spectator seating in an intimate setting, add some creative F&B, and you've got a terrific environment. As a spectator, it's unlike trying to just, let's say, watch your 14-year-old somewhere out on the big lagoon or a couple hundred yards offshore. This is more like being at the front row at the Laker game, right? You're right on top of the action. 
we think that combining that intimacy with what's just the natural communal vibe that's created when a bunch of surfers are all sharing a wave for an hour, you've got a great atmosphere that will drive F&B and retail spend. So we think Epic Surf can be to surfing what Top Golf has been to golf. What a vision there. Obviously, incredible success with Top Golf, but not just in golfing. The whole experience plays a part, you know, the food, the beverages, the social atmosphere. And I know that ADG has a similar mindset. So there's something called Surf Ride Play. What's Surf Ride Play? Surf Ride Play is ADG's version of an aquatic adventure park. In essence, it's what inland surf park could be, perhaps should be, when it incorporates surfing with a full range of in-water and out-of-water adventures that would appeal to every demographic. So the idea of surf ride play is, you know, you come to the park to surf, to swim, maybe to skate, to jump, float, and uh, in all cases, eat and drink, right? And perhaps you enjoy yourself so much that you want to come and do it all over again the next day, and maybe even stay over. So surf, ride, play, I guess, imagine that you're a family that comes to the park in the morning, your 15-year-old might have already scheduled a session on the advanced surf lagoon at the park, while your eight-year-old may be taking their first surf lesson over at Epic Surf or on the beginner surf lagoon. Or maybe one or both of them want to start out on a ropes course. Maybe your five-year-old just wants to hang out with mom, grab a tube, and float down an adventure river. Maybe dad just wants to grab a cup of coffee and watch the action at Epic Surf. The idea with Surf Ride Play is to create a variety of experiences with plenty of capacity and always great food and beverage, right? So you have great morning, you have lunch at at the restaurant, or maybe you have lunch at, at your cabana or your lounge, or maybe over in the picnic area. And then in the afternoon, the kids are re-energized and maybe they want to go over to the obstacle course at the Adventure Lagoon. Or maybe they want to go to the pump track or the skateboard park. Surf, play, and ride really is designed to optimize the available acres that a developer has. It's built around a core set of attractions, but that adds also multiple sort of plug-and-play water features and non-water options. It's a part that's easier to explore. There's always great F&B. And, you know, perhaps it's something that after a day, your family likes it so much that when they come back, maybe they plan to stay at the RV park or the cabins that are part of the experience. That's what our vision is of it. We think that it's a park like all of these parks that need to be designed and built cost effectively. They need to be thought out so that they can be phased over the long term. I say that because we've been involved with, frankly, too many early stage projects over the last few years that never got traction because they were never going to pencil out when they're looking for a hundred plus million dollars of development costs. You know, we think that it's got to be a more cost effective capital investment and there's got to be more opportunities for people to come and immerse and come back. Makes complete sense. And it sounds like the Epic Surf product is a great place for people to consider as part of making their new projects pencil and really uh, speeding up those construction timelines, reducing that upfront cost, and maybe just getting some people uh, surfing, riding, and playing a bit sooner than the eight to 10 year timelines we're seeing for the big wave basin to get built. So, exactly. Food for thought there. Exactly. What does the future look like? You know, what are you most excited about looking forward for 2022 and years to come? 
Well, certainly we're very excited about Epic Surf. I mean, we launched it last year. We've got a lot of projects that are sort of in the development stage. That's something we're excited about for 22 and beyond. We do think that Epic Surf will uh, end up being a, a key contributor to the whole idea of democratizing surfing for everyone. We're also excited about our water park business. It's very active. People are back to getting outside, right? The world, you know, if there's one thing about the pandemic, it introduced millions and millions more people to the joy of being outside and adventure activities. And we think that's going to explode and that's going to be a spillover to what we do in the water park industry. I think it's going to spill over to the surf park industry as well. So we're excited about some of the projects we have, both with outdoor water parks, some really exciting projects, including Epic Surf projects with resorts that are looking to capitalize on that growing interest in surf and the stoke it brings to their guests. How can folks learn more about Epic Surf and ADG more generally? They can go to epic.surf and they'll learn about Epic Surf, and they can go to the Aquatic Development Group or aquaticgroup.com to learn about ADG overall. That's great. Thank you so much for all the detail there. I know many of our listeners will be digging in. For now, like we do on every episode, I'd love to wind it back and hear about your origin story, including how you broke into the industry. I was born and raised in upstate New York in a little working class town right outside of Schenectady, New York, home of Thomas Edison's General Electric Company. GE actually has a pretty significant presence in the community I grew up in. Many of the parents of the kids that I hung around with either worked for GE or perhaps they worked for one of the companies that supplied GE in the area. So, you know, as a kid, I always had this thing in my mind that, boy, growing up, GE would be a good place to work at. In high school, I was not the best of students. I think I was something between a a jock and a juvenile delinquent. I wasn't somebody that took direction very well in high school. I certainly wasn't focused on my future, let alone going to college. But through just divine intervention, I somehow found my way to Hope College in Holland, Michigan. I went through school, continued a very mediocre academic journey, but managed to um, navigate my way through and uh, to approaching graduation. For whatever reason, I decided, well, I guess I'll try to go to work for GE. It just so happens that General Electric had a appliance motor division right in Holland, Michigan. Maybe a couple of months before graduation, I had figured out that the HR director in Holland used to be the HR director in Schenectady, New York. And so I began calling this guy, Bill Rayner, the HR director, maybe a couple months before graduation. I must have left a dozen messages on his voicemail over the course of a month. And so perhaps at the 13th time I called, his secretary actually picked up and uh, I introduced myself and she said, yes, Mr. Quay, I I know who you are. The real question is, how am I going to get you to stop calling here? And I said, well, that would be easy. You just give me 15 minutes with Bill Rayner and I'll never call again. So she said, well, you have your 15 minutes. Come in on Monday morning. And he actually found me a position in what was at the time a pretty coveted program within GE called their technical marketing program. So he got me a spot in the program. 36 engineers and me in the program. And I also remember that about a month after I joined, it was happened to be the time that Jack Welch had just taken over as the chairman of General Electric. And I remember he wrote a one-page letter to every employee stating how he intended to make General Electric the most recognized company on the planet. 
and he intended to do so with world-class research and product development for a young kid. I thought that was pretty inspiring, right? Pretty ambitious and pretty inspiring. So, and there I was. So I'm in the headquarters of this division and it gave me an opportunity to see firsthand the business of developing products and bringing them to market. And it fascinated me. You know, the whole idea of just trying to identify a need, developing a product for it, putting together a business plan, and, you know, the real essential need to get a group of disparate people together from marketing to engineers to manufacturing to put a business plan together. I just, uh, very motivational to me. So I jumped in early to that whole idea. The problem was I was not the most patient of people as a kid. I just got to the point of thinking that this long journey up the ladder at GE was something I wasn't interested in. Now, I decided to move on and I took a job in Boston, Massachusetts, selling in-ground swimming pool components for what was the country's leading supplier of vinyl liners and in-ground swimming pool packages. And uh, I had a territory traveling around the Northeast selling to pool dealers and pool builders. And I was pretty good at it and became pretty successful at it. I went from being a salesman to running a branch to running five branches and then running 13 branches. And at some point, you know, I had this $50 million business I was running at, at 30 years old and things were pretty good. At the time, though, I attribute a lot of that early success to the fact that I was a very vocal sort of proponent for my customers in terms of our products never being, at a lot of times, not good enough. Quality wasn't good. Vinyl liners didn't fit well. The steel panel quality wasn't good. The lead times, you know, were excessive. And it's the pool business right in the Northeast. And it all happens in four or five months. I was pretty boisterous and uh, a lot of calls to the plant demanding that the product get better, the lead times get better. And I think over time, it, it, you know, I slowly made an impact. I know I wasn't popular with the plant manager. My customers appreciated it. And I think it was good for the business. About 10 years in, I received a call from actually our biggest competitor who happened to be back in Albany, New York, a company called Pacific Industries. And so I got a call to say what I'd be interested in coming to Albany, joining them and helping turn around the pool business. I knew what was wrong with their pool business because I was competing with them. So I knew how to fix it and said, sure, join the business. And indeed, focused on product development, globalization of their business, bringing polymer wall pools to Europe that, that had never seen this kind of product before. And you know, the business grew pretty significantly over four or five years to the point where I got promoted to running the whole business, which included the plastic pallet business. We developed some really interesting new product technologies in the plastic pallet business, and at some point became the world's largest manufacturer of plastic pallets. Life was pretty good, so good that Cookson decided to sell the business and broke it up into three different pieces. I helped them sell that business in, I think, 2002. And I wasn't really interested in any of the successor companies. At that time, Ken Ellis, a guy that I had known, played a little golf with him and his father, the founder of Aquatic, for a few years, had recently taken over as president of the business. And um, Ken called me one day saying, hey, what are you planning on doing? I'm really not sure yet. And Ken started to talk to me about his vision of ADG and where he wanted to take the business and would I be interested in, in coming on board, principally to focus on the equipment side of the business at the time. I liked Ken a lot. I liked what aquatic development did, designing and building water parks. It wasn't too far a leap from making residential swimming pools. I mean, it's about building products that you know provide fun and recreation for families. So it made a lot of sense to me. 
And I also liked what I knew of it, the culture of the business and what Ken and his father had created. So I said, sure, and joined. First couple of years, I was there and I focused principally on developing the Flowrider product. That was kind of 2003. And we had just taken that product over as a license from Tom Lochtefeld and helped Tom sort of really evolve it to make it a commercially viable product. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. But after two years, I ended up leaving ADG. I did so principally because I was a little burnout from traveling. I took an opportunity for the local business that turned out ultimately that I bought a business and ran it on my own, not having ever get on a plane for 10 years unless I really wanted to, and then sold that business about five years ago. Again, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. While for that 15 years I was gone, I'd always sort of watched ADG from afar, right? Kept in contact with Ken. And I was so impressed at how he and Jim Dunn, president of the business who had been with Ken forever, had uh, what they'd done with the business in 15 years. I mean, they not only survived through the recession of 2008, but they had taken the business to a very different level. I mean, Ken called one day and said, look, our business is booming. We've got a lot going on. And between Jim and I, we just don't have the bandwidth to capitalize on all the opportunities. My kids were gone and I had the time and energy. So I said, yeah, sure. I'll come back. And so here I am. What a story, though. I mean, it, just connecting that all together from sort of the earliest memories you shared there of how you never really had a lot of vacation time growing up as a kid. And fast forward all these years later, you're developing products to manufacture fun. And it's like just an amazing journey. And thank you so much for taking the time. Look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, here's Chris again. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. For those of you who want more information on surf parks and the topics covered in these episodes, Surf Park Central's Insider Membership might be for you. Insiders are people serious about surf parks and the organizations they represent. You can join Insiders for a monthly membership fee and rewatch all the surf park summits that have ever happened. You can get transcripts, access to research reports and white papers, even see webinars with special guests like those who visit us on this podcast. So check out surfparkcentral.com slash insiders to learn more about this exclusive professional community for surf parks. Check it out, surfparkcentral.com. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Chris Klusner again, just with a few last-minute thoughts. Please do check out our website, beyondoceanpodcast.com, to subscribe to our newsletter and get exclusive updates from your local surf parks and out-of-ocean surfing experiences near you. You can also learn more about our sponsors and the incredible guests we host on the show You can also access show notes and links. Anything that's covered in the podcast will be featured on the website. Again, it's beyondoceanpodcast.com. Check it out.